welcome back to the Oral Mess Podcast. My guest this week is Emmanuel Cruz. Manny is a music teacher and vocalist, and we talk about musical influences, Looney Tunes, and other fun stuff. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome back to the Oral Mess Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Manny Cruz. Manny, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Chad? Good, thanks. I appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk to me. Uh, Manny and I met on Instagram um, on my Steely Dan meme page. So, you know, there's always that connection between Steely Dan nerds like us, I guess. But (laughs) why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, we'll go from there. All right. So as uh, Chad already said, my, I'm Emmanuel Cruz. I also go by Manny. I am a classically trained musician. I went to school for it. And um, I'm also a colossal nerd. I don't know if you could see. I have a wearing a Dragon Ball shirt and I got a Ninja Turtle stuff in my bed. But uh, music and my various geek hobbies are my thing. Um, I call myself the Toonie Tenor. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram and other social media, at the Toonie Tenor, T-O-O-N-E-Y-T-E-N-O-R. Um I love music. Obviously, I went to school for it twice. You know, I have experience as a as a performer, as uh, in both you know uh, classical music and in, in, in sacred music, secular music. I have experience as a music teacher as well, and um, a lot of what I enjoy, or I shouldn't say enjoy. Well, I mean, I enjoy it, but I mean, I trace the roots of my love of music to several sources i mean there's the encouragement of my first music teacher mr walker rest in peace that he saw me as a child sing and took me under his wing as well as my grandmother aurora cruz a cuban immigrant came to the states she loved opera couldn't do much with it because uh she was a single mom with two pain in the butts sorry my dad and my uncle and um going back to what i said before with uh, my teacher discovering me i mean he told me this often you know especially when i was an adult before he passed but they would always say that you were singing um, the overture, not the overture, the uh, one of the arias from the Barbara Seville, you know, the famous Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. And he said, you were singing that in kindergarten. I thought you were just being destructive, but you were being sincere about it. And then it took me a few years ago to realize I learned it by watching a Porky Pig cartoon. <laughs> yes, yes. Didn't we? And, <laughs> yeah, and I just, I mean, I love Warner Brothers cartoons in particular, and there's other things I'm interested in it. And I'm just trying to find ways to merge my love of music and my training and all that and my experiences with the various pop culture things I'm into. So, like I said, if you guys decide to do a follow, you'll see maybe one minute's going to be a little musical thing. And then the next is going to be, I don't know, a clip from The Simpsons or whatever. So <laughs> that's, that's the best kind of Instagram. And, you know, speaking of yours, I, I did check out some of your older posts, you know, just kind of see what you were about before you came on. And, uh, beautiful voice, man. Like I watched you sing, uh, I think it was in a church with, with a piano accompanist and I was just blown away. Oh, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's funny you say that cause I used to work at a AT&T a few years ago, you know, selling phones and whatnot. And I had a new employee come into the store and she's talking to me and she's like, I think somebody told her, she's like, Manny, did you go to college for music? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're, they say like, you're, you have like a beautiful voice. I said, yeah, it's all right. You know, but I appreciate it. She says, I would have never figured it out that you were a classical musician. I was like, why? Is it because you were on the floor talking about professional wrestling for a half hour before? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, they, it, I guess it doesn't, maybe you have that idea or that stereotype of like someone who pursues a certain type of music. And it's like, no, it's just, 
it's 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 one aspect of what I do. And uh, but I always do like the uh, like the the weird looks or the surprises when they when they find that out. So that's pretty cool. So you're you're a man of of many interests and kind of like a Renaissance man. And you know, music's universal. I, I find. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, people have like preconceived notions and and things like that. But when it comes down to it, like I I connect with people all the time just simply on a love of music because I like every kind of music. You know, what I mean, everything from classical and again you know same as you i sort of discovered classical through bugs bunny <laughs> so i want to talk about that at some length but um you know i think i just listen to everything and you know i've i've gotten a lot of attention online i've gotten a lot of guests on this podcast so far because of the whole steely dan connection but you know i'm hoping to sort of branch out and, and talk about more things so let's talk about the looney tunes thing a bit so you're you're working on a podcast um that y'all are basically going through and sort of analyzing every Looney Tunes cartoon. Is it everyone ever or in a certain era? Pretty much, yeah. Every one that came out during the classic period. Uh, right. I tell a lot of people, they, they, they don't remember because, well, not that they don't remember, it just it's lost the time in some aspects. Yeah. That, you know, Warner Brothers, they commissioned uh, Looney Tunes, two former Disney uh, animators, Hugh Harmon and Rudolph Ising. They split from Disney. They made a pilot in 1929 that was one of the first attempts at synchronizing sound. They sold it to Leon Schlesinger. He had a deal with Warner Brothers, and that's how Looney Tunes started in 1930. And then a year later, the sister series, Mary Melodies, started in 1931. And I like to describe it to people that the original, especially in the 30s, not so much in the 40s and beyond, but the early to mid-30s, especially with the Mary Melodies, they're early music videos. Warner's had all this sheet music and the records that they wanted to sell. And if you look up the names of the older cartoons, the name of the cartoons are of song titles. You know, I Only Have Eyes for You, I Love to Sing, uh, you know, the, uh, Those Beautiful Dames. And uh, Anth- I'm actually the, the the collaborator, one of his main collaborators, uh, the, my buddy from Australia, Anthony Kodorak, that during COVID, um, I was in grad school at the time. I was studying at the University of Houston, working on that uh, beautiful voice, as you said. Thank you again. And um, just sitting in my dorm going crazy, like, you know, I, I went to school to specifically get better at singing. And it's like, you know, we have to go online. And, yeah, obviously, it's, oh, my God, already four years since that craziness. And yes. I was like, I need something to do. Let me look up some. Because I, I have YouTube Premium I'm constantly listening to stuff about music, about fitness, about cartoons. You know, like, that's my television right there. Or when I drive, I listen to a lot of YouTube. And I was like, let me look up some Looney Tunes stuff. It's, uh, you know, just for the heck of it. And I found his channel when he was still early on in the 30s. I think he started cracking into the 40s. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, um, I am a huge Looney Tunes fan as well. I've been studying the history for the past 20 years. And I'm also a musician. So once you get into the really famous musical cartoons, like, you know, What's Opera Doc and The Rabbit of Seville, I'm your man. I could help you with that, the musical aspect of it. He's like, thanks, I appreciate it, but I already have someone uh, who was at the time uh, collaborating with him, Steph Stilly. Hi, Steph, if you see this. And then I'd say about a few weeks, a few months later, he was like, hey, you know, come on board. Let me, let, let's do a test run. So we did, um, you probably remember it, Buckaroo Bugs, uh, the cartoon with the really stupid cowboy and Bugs Bunny. Oh, we're riding side saddle. Yes. Uh, yes. Classic. And I'm like, oh, God, what a perfect one to come on. It's one of my favorite Bugs Bunny shorts and just... The chemistry was there. I mean, Anthony is a little bit older than I am, um, but obviously I'm from the States. He's from Australia. 
And of course, you know, talking about you and I connecting over Steely Dan, he and I connected over our love and encyclopedia knowledge of The Simpsons and how we can speak in Simpsonese to each other and nobody else knows what we're saying, but we're <laughs> quoting the show on a daily basis. And it's just like, it's so awesome. And I've been collaborating with Anthony for the past three years, three, four years. And, uh, you know, jumping on various shorts, he's currently now in the 50s. Um, the cartoons ran from 1930 to 1969, but like the really famous ones are the, I would say the 40s up until the early 60s. That's like the meat and potatoes of it. But, you know, I'm doing some cartoons from 1953 now, and he has me working my way back from the early shorts, the merry melodies of the 30s and early 40s, and kind of digging into my interest in musicology because I have a degree, uh, my music degrees are in music education and uh, music performance. But some of my buddies and some of my professors said, you ha- you're you a musicologist and you don't realize it because I love history. Yeah. I'm a huge history buff. And, you know, I'm listening to these, you know, watching the cartoons. Um, I'm trying to watch every single Warner Brothers short in order. I'm behind. It's a thousand of them in total. Wow. But um, I'm watching them and, you know, obviously picking up some of the cultural references from the 30s and that time period, but just finding the song and looking up the songwriters and, you know, this, where did these cart- uh, these songs come from? Because most of them, like I said, uh, they had sheet music records. They originally came from Warner Brothers films. And it's just, I just go crazy over it. And it's just, it's fascinating. And people like, uh, I call it Manny's Music Time whenever I pop up on his uh, his thing. And, uh, you know, so far I've gotten a lot of good uh, feedback and you know, eventually I'd like to do that for other things, both musical and non-musical. That's really cool. And I listened to um, an episode just to kind of get a feel. And uh, I'm definitely going to subscribe and, and work my way back to some of the other episodes because, it, you know, again, um, I have older siblings, right? So I'm 52. My sister's 13 years older than I am. My brother's a little bit older. He's 11 years older. And they were both really into Bugs Bunny cartoons. So therefore, I got my love of, of Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Porky Pig and, and the whole gang from them. But like you said, like you guys have this sort of, you know, secret shared language with the Simpsons. The same with my siblings. Like we still to this day, will talk in Bugs Bunny quotes to each other, like <laughs> in holidays and on the phone and like, you know, we'll text each other things. And, you know, um, my sister calls me and I'll answer the phone and go, that you, Mert? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you, Bert? How's every little thing? And funny that you say that. Like a lot of the jokes in those older shorts, those are radio catchphrases. Right, right. That, you know, like, is that you, Murder? You know, ain't I a stinker? Or, you know, know, um, he broke my widow head. He broke my widow arms. That's all, you know, know, vaudeville and and radio references from the 30s and 40s that we think, oh, that's a Bugs Money phrase or that's a Pork Pig phrase. But, you know, then again, that's just like me getting into the whole history aspect of it and you know like i mean when i first started getting into the history of looney tunes when i was a middle schooler i mean i didn't know how old you are and you shocked me because i'm like i look older than you <laughs> I'm, 50, I'm 35 myself i'll be 36 next month and and it's funny that you were saying like you know you you watch the cartoons on television and your siblings like they started showing these cartoons on tv in the 50s my right. father was the first generation of kids to watch them you know my dad's 71 and I was the last, you know, I was what? They started pulling these cartoons off of television, like all channels, because they started being shown only at Cartoon Network in the early 2000s. But from the end of the 90s to the, you know, 50s to the end of the 90s, they were everywhere, you know, local television, cable, whatever. And, um, you know, I, great, I just forgot what I was going to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't that important, but, uh, oh, sorry. 
So I got into the history of them in in middle school. One day I was like the 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 name Bosco popped in my head, and I was like thinking Bosco is chocolate syrup, yep. but it's also this cartoon character that I vaguely remembered seeing as a little kid in the early '90s, like a black and white character. And I went on a computer, went on y- Yahoo. Remember those days? And it brought oh, yeah. me to this website, uh, Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, the early years. And I was like, wait, Looney Tunes are from the 30s? They're from... Bosco was a Looney Tune character? And I was like, but Porky Pig is and Tweety and, you know, the Tasmanian Devil. And that's where it went from there. And and then, like I said, there was other things that I'm passionate about. Like, oh, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, I grew up watching the cartoon, the movies, the toys. Oh, the first comic book was from 1984. It was in black and white. It was violent. Like, you know, just like it just starts spreading from there. And just everything that I'm into, it's like I have even if I see like a movie or a TV show once, I have to go on the Wikipedia page. I have to dig into the details. I got to do the production credits. And yeah, obviously for music, too, it's just it's it's, you know, fascinating, uh, you know, to obviously to look at like, oh, what musicians were shared and with this band or this band and. Yesterday on my Instagram, I posted about uh, Michael McDonald. His birthday was yesterday. I was like, oh, I was like, man, he was great by himself. And then he was with the Doobie Brothers. And of course, you know, I'm thinking of the the vocals that he did for Steely Dan and all that other stuff. And it's just like, and everybody else is just like, why do you just get so intrigued about it? I'm like, it's what I enjoy. You know, some people love like math. They, they think in mathematical terms. They think in, you know, expression or what. I don't know. I had a point somewhere. If you find it, let me know. <laughs> no, you made you made the point, and I think you made it well. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing with me. Like you know, I've listened to Steely Dan for quite a long time. Um, I've, I've talked about this a lot in, in previous episodes and stuff. And you know, my thing is, I just started to get to the point with them four or five years ago where I got like obsessed, right? Where I, like you said, I had to go look at the production credits and then. You started to see the common threads of, you know, Gary Katz produced everything and Roger Nichols was the engineer. And well, why did they have him on all their albums? Was he that good? And then you can read about Roger Nichols and you find out that he's like this engineering genius, you know, and um, same with me. Like when I get into something, I, I tend to want to know everything about it. Right. So I go to the Wikipedia page. I, I go and, you know, see if there's a subreddit about it. I, I find like a Twitter community around it and, and I kind of immerse myself. And that's what happened with Steely Dan. And, you know, here I am. <laughs> How many years later, and I'm still down that rabbit hole, you know, rabbit hole. Ha-ha. That's bad. Bug, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Pretty good and doc. A, and apparently, thanks. And apparently, by the way, um, Becker and Fagan were both big Looney Tunes fans. Like, they were, they were like, you know, giant uh, Bugs Bunny watchers, apparently. So, see that I did. There's know. a connection. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, what was it? Fagan was 50, and no, Fagan was 48, and, um, Becker was 1950, so yeah, they were my. They're literally a few years older than my dad, so it completely makes sense. And you know, uh, uh, Donald Fagan's my fellow Jersey boy. He's you know from uh, from South Brunswick. I'm from Elizabeth, New Jersey, and oh, wow. uh, okay, you know, and uh, Becker from the New York. My father was born in New York City, so and I even think about that too. Sometimes I'm like, did Dad ever? cross paths with them at one point before they made the move out to California. <laughs> you know, you know that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. So, right. <laughs> F- fellow North Jersey guy here, by the way. Oh, nice. Man. <laughs> yeah. We're the best. Absolutely. 
Uh, I, mean, I was born and raised in South Jersey, but I've been in North Jersey for a little over 20 years now. So I consider myself, you know, an, an unofficial North Jerseyan by, by association. So I have to ask this question and hopefully you get the right answer. That delicious pork product or that's like it's it's like a, it's like Canadian bacon, as I say to people who are not from this area. Goes great with eggs and cheese. I don't need cheese. But what do you call that thing? Uh, it is pork roll, my friend. Oh, right. I'm, I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> I can't send you my North Jersey card. I, I can't. I can't uh, submit you for uh, for membership. Yeah, you still got to work your way up. That's the one thing I hold on to. It's it's funny, you know. And um, New Jersey's uh, official Twitter page just post a bunch of fun stuff, like yesterday and today about like Valentine's Day and. They had like the little candy hearts with like North Jersey, South Jersey, and then they skipped Central Jersey. So everybody was freak- <laughs> freaking out about that. And I'm, I'm I'm a big Central Jersey exists believer, so I had to jump into that conversation. But they did a they did a Taylor Ham and pork roll thing, and I was just trolling <laughs> everybody that was saying Taylor Ham, and I was like, you spelled you spelled pork roll wrong, guy. Sorry. <laughs> it's great. My wife and I get into it because you know she'll once in a while we'll we'll, we'll get some Taylor Ham. I'll say it. She got she gets some Taylor ham at the store, and I'll be like, "Oh, thanks for the pork roll, honey." And she's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> yeah. I've done that too, where like I've been in South Jersey. I was like, "Yeah, let me have a Taylor ham and egg." They're like, they're like looking at the menu. It's like, you know what to call it. I was like, "Yeah, I just did. It's Taylor ham." <laughs> and I'm like, fine. Give me some pork roll. Or when you go to a, I, was it a Quick Check? Because I have a Quick Check now, far for, uh, you know, several in the area, not far from where I work. And it's just I go in there, and I'm like. Like I cringe, like what I want to call it. It's like thank God they have the the little computer screen you can order it. You know, I'll just it's like it's like my secret shame. You know, it's bad enough I accept Wawa. I'm not going to do that either. You know, hey, Wawa is the way. I, I grew up on Wawa, so um, you mentioned teaching music, by the way. So is that your is that your day gig? Yeah, I've uh, done it for a few years now. I teach. Uh, elementary music uh for the time being but i have experiences doing uh middle school done a little bit of like literally i taught two classes at the college level because i was a graduate assistant and um yeah you know just trying to trying to educate the youth on uh just just music and just more so much i would say just an appreciation for it because i trying to think what would be the best way of saying it it's hard to get, you know, younger people's attention, especially nowadays, because there's so many different choices of things you can do. And I don't expect every, you know, every kid to love music or be interested in it or, you know, just like play an instrument or sing in a choir. But my my biggest goal is to just have a lifelong openness and appreciation of music in general. I mean, I always make the argument to younger people that it's like you don't know how fortunate you are when it comes to music accessibility. And I mean, yes. yeah, we can get into the argument of how things are with streaming. Cause I have, a, I love streaming and I also hate streaming for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the ethical issues of musicians and, and payments and royalties and all that. But it's like, you pretty much have an entire buffet at your disposal whenever you want. Try, just, just try. I remember hearing that rule where it's like, if you hear a song, give it three times you know you you know by the third time you know you'll love it or you you don't like it and i said the beautiful thing is if you don't want to hear it you don't have to listen to it ever again you don't right. have to worry about you know oh you hear your favorite song and 
you hope and pray that there's a cassette inside your inside your uh, you know your tape player, and hopefully the DJ is kind enough to t- say, "All right, that was uh, I don't know, this is it by Kenny Loggins," <laughs> or and you know, but it's that and that's just something that that just that ease of accessibility. It's like you know, take advantage of it, take advantage of the knowledge and and the resources that you have available to you know enjoy music because I also don't. I also say to my students, uh, you know, all the students I've had, you know, my oldest students now are adults, you know, in their mid to late 20s now when I first started teaching. But, you know, I said, you know what, at the end of the day, you're going to see music as a source of, you know, as a positive thing, not just for enjoyment, but you want to go to concerts. You want to maybe sing in a community choir or a church choir. You want to pick up your instrument, play again. If you have children and if your kid says, hey, uh, Mom, Dad, I want to go sing in a choir. You're not going to say, oh, well, Mr. Cruz was a real jerk to me 20, 30 years ago, whatever. It's like, no, I want you to sign up for it, and I want you to have a positive experience from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, are they still, I know for a while that they weren't really, a lot of schools just didn't have funding for music programs, and they weren't doing like instrumental music. Like, like when I grew up and I went to public school in Atlantic City, um, you know, they even had... Um, instrumental music programs were like, you know, the school had a, a just closet full of instruments and you got assigned, you know, a trumpet, a saxophone, a violin, whatever your interest was. And you kept that instrument for the whole year to take home. And, you know, you got lessons every week. And then, you know, in junior high and high school, you could be in the band and, you know, the orchestra and whatever else. But it seems like that's not so much of a common thing anymore. Yeah. I mean, it depends on obviously the district you're in the school. I mean, in 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 my teaching career, I've been fortunate that because I I don't do instrumental, I do vocal mm-hmm. uh, music. But you know, th- it's fortunate that yeah, you want to play the saxophone. You know, you have to hit you know fourth, fifth grade, or trumpet, or violin. You could sign up for it, and um, you know, you know, obviously you get your pull out lessons. But it's just you have to deal with just the schedule, and then you obviously have to deal with uh, the emphasis on uh, just standardized testing. I think that's honestly that's one of the biggest issues I have with. Yeah being a teacher in general because it just eats away so much at the time of not just music teachers and you know and and gym teachers and art teachers but just the classroom teachers themselves because i have been very fortunate to have in my teaching career worked with so many amazing teachers i mean i i just i hate hate all the negative talk that teachers get you know just the from people who think they know and they don't and so many teachers they pour out their 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 hearts their souls you know just to make sure that these kids have a bright future a lot of them have their own children and it's like they want their kids to succeed they want these other kids to succeed as well i don't have children at the moment i have a dog as you probably could see behind me but you know at the end of the day it's like i'm going to be gone one day and i want to set up a positive future for not only myself but for them if i ever have children whatnot and it's just that's something that I feel gets lost in all the shuffle of, you know, people trying to tell you how to do your job when it's like, no, this is not how it's done. You know, trust the people who know it or even like with just, you know, like sometimes it's similar to my experiences as being a musician. It's like I'm the kind of person I'm not going to give you my opinion unless you ask for it. And then if you say or your expertise and if I give it to you, if you don't like it, it's like, well, you asked me and I know what I'm talking about. So maybe you should do it. You know, it's like, you know, oh, wow, I, I feel like crap right now. Let me go to a doctor. And you go to the doctor and he tells you something. It's like, okay, you have this problem. You need to do this. Oh, I'm not too happy about that. Well, 
then why did you bother asking the expert in the first place? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I used to play in bands and I still play guitar just for pleasure. Um, my daughter, who's 17, um, is very musically inclined. She has great taste in music. You know, I don't even want to pretend to take credit for, for more than half of it because <laughs> she's she's discovered so much on her own, you know, between like just friends and um, social media, you know, I mean, and at some point I'm going to have her on here. She wants to do an episode with me to talk about, um, you know, how she's discovered all this music because she'll just come downstairs like singing like Duran Duran. And my wife and I look at each other like, where the hell did you hear that? <laughs> you know? And she's like, uh, TikTok, duh, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's just amazing how these kids, like you said, they, they have like this unlimited world of, of media accessible to them at all times. Um, and just to build an appreciation for it, I think, and, and to sort of get your head around the fact that music is not just a hobby. It's not just something that you do when you're not doing other things. It's for a lot of people, it's, it's life-saving, it's life-changing. Um, and you know, they, they've done studies, they prove that it helps with, with math, um, comprehension and reading and, and everything else. So I just feel like, yeah, like you said, like having teachers and trying to tell them what to do and, and just not you know, teaching to a curriculum and teaching to a standardized test. It's, it's just ridiculous. It, yeah. I mean, I, I could spend another two hours talking about, you know, it, and it's not just like, oh, I want their, their, you know, they're pulling away from the music part. It's not just that. It's like, you know, just having a well, well-rounded individual. And, and you were saying about, you know, music saves lives. Uh, where I went, I went to uh, Montclair State from undergrad and uh, they have an awesome uh, music therapy program. I, I, I remember in high school, my band teacher was like, the music therapists, they're there. Just, just leave them be. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, you know, they actually do like a lot of cool stuff, you know, just, you know, using music for therapeutical purposes, you know, for for uh, children with special needs, for the elderly, for people who are recovering from, you know, injury or whatever. And there was a video that I saw. I don't know if you ever saw it. I think it was like uh, like a trailer for a documentary. And it was this lady and her father was probably in his 80s or 90s at this point, could barely speak excuse me, elderly guy. And you talk to him, he's mumbling all his things. And this is when I would say like the mid two thousands, late two thousands, um, when the iPod was still kind of brand new. I think it was the iPod mini. And, um, I forgot the name of the, 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 the music expert. He was a doctor or something. Uh, oh yeah. A doctorate in music. And they said, why don't we put the music that he loves and enjoys inside this device and it was uh gospel music it was spirituals and a lot of stuff from like cap calloway and you know a lot of amazing black music from the 30s and 30s and 40s and you know his uh, daughter puts on the headphones and like literally it's like a light switch turning on oh, wow. and it's just like he become comes back to life he starts singing along he sings you know like the melodies just come back to him the words and then uh, the doctor said something like music's the quickening art and they take off the headphones and they start talking to him. His name was Henry. And he's like, Henry, yeah. Did you like the music? Yeah, I loved it. Like you were able to understand him. And he's like, yeah, I love listening to Cap Calloway and oh, wow. this and that. And then he starts singing and he starts scatting like Cap Calloway. And it's just like literally a light switch turned on. You see his daughter like in tears, just like, I can't believe just by him listening to his favorite music. He came back. It's like my father has returned. And like I can't help but like tearing up a little bit whenever I see that. 
that yeah. part, but it's just, it's crazy. And we have the means, the technology to do that kind of stuff now. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'll have to go check that out. So, um, and, and it's funny you say like, you know, people, um, I, I can't remember sometimes what I had for breakfast two days ago, mm-hmm. but I can play every drum fill, you know, air drumming in the car of, you know, 15 different Sealy Dan songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or, you so know, like, any other music that I'm into. But I mean, like, it's just funny. It's like music is so ingrained in me and it's just in my brain. You know what I mean? So I, I can see how that could be a thing where that would turn on a light switch. So just one day, yeah. drive, uh, I was going to say, like, one day you're in a hotter mood and then you're in a purdy mood and then Marota. <laughs> hotter, you know, I think hotter doesn't get enough love. Um, but let's talk about Steely Dan because, he, again, like, I think that's how we sort of initially you know, kind of stumbled across each other on Instagram. But, um, you know, when did you get into the band? Um, you know, I hate ranking and I hate saying your favorite thing because for me it changes every five minutes. You know, my favorite yeah. album, my favorite drummer, my favorite this, my favorite that. But, um, you know, give me some highlights. Give me some things some things that you like in, in their catalog and then let's dig into some of that. All right. So how did I get into them? And I hope you don't mind me shoving my, this is my delicious dinner, my smoothie <laughs> as I'm trying to cut some weight. Um, so, I mean, I got into them just late in general because, I mean, was it Gaucho released eight years before I was born? So, yeah, there's that. So, I, so, okay, now I know the exact time period. So, when I started downloading music, um, in less than legal means back in the day, you know, <laughs> in middle school and high school. So I remember, you know, Napster and LimeWire and sharing up my, my family computer without realizing it. <laughs> and I grew up like, well, I, I, I don't belong in this time period in terms of my musical tastes. I mean, like I said, I'm 35. I'm, you know, I was born in the late eighties, whatever. So what is the music of my type period? You know, uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, NSYNC, uh, Britney Spears, uh, Christina Aguilera. I mean, at the Super Bowl a few days ago, everybody my age was going crazy oh, yeah. over Usher and Alicia <laughs> Keys and all that. And obviously I know that because I remember hearing it in school. I remember hearing it in, you know, my friends talking about it. But me as a kid, I listened to 106.7 Light FM in New York City, and I was hearing... You know, Billy Joel, I was hearing um, James Taylor and and Elton John and all that, you know, soft rock, whatever, the 60s or the 80s. My dad that I credit, uh, m- both my parents are not musicians. They don't know squat about music. I got the musical connection from my grandma because she sang and knew a little bit about it. But I always credit m- both my parents for some of my musical tastes. I mean, my mother is uh, Puerto Rican and she came here when she was about 17, 18. And a lot of music she played back then, I hate it. Now I enjoy like a lot of salsa music, uh, uh, boleros, uh, Mexican music from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Just very beautifully sung. Guys like Jose Jose and, you know, salsa music like Hector Lavoe and whatever that I eventually wound up singing, and I love singing salsa music. But for my old man, you know, like I said, he was born in New York and he grew up in northern Jersey. He was always putting on uh, 101.1 CBS FM, the greatest oh, yeah. hits of all time. And from him, I got doo I got Motem. I got stuff in the seventies, and and my dad loves Philly Soul. I got that from him too. I mean, mm. I love the stylistics and oh yeah, and Harold Melvin, the Blue Notes, and and all sorts of classic rock. I mean, my favorite 
oh, I don't want to say I'm a little nervous now because, again, it might change. But for years, I've always said my favorite band is The Doors. But Steely Dan might, might take over that title sooner or later. But, you know. So anyway, I would be making compilations of my music because, again, my classmates were listening to Ludacris and Lil John, And I was like, I want to listen to... Peebo Bryson singing, if you're ever in your, my, like, I, oh my God, I wish I still had the CDs of, uh, I wrote like a manuals music volume one. And it's like, I remember I would go from like Laughter in the Rain by Neil Sedaka to If You're Ever in My Arms Again by Peebo Bryson to In the Club by 50 Cent. That was one of the few <laughs> hip hop songs I heard back then. I mean, I was in high school when it dropped. I had to put it and I did like it. And one of those songs in that compilation was Do It Again. Oh, wow. It was the only Steely Dan song I knew. I thought that Steely Dan was a one-hit wonder, and that's it. And I liked Do It Again because I probably heard it on 101.1 and whatever. Life goes on. So then I'd say around 2013, it's just like the universe or whatever was conspiring for me to become a, a fan of the Dan. And I remember a teacher I worked with, a band teacher, John Riley, awesome guy, drummer. He had the the cover of, and this is what I said back then. I was like, what's this Aja thing that you have under there? He's like, yeah, it's uh, this, uh, Steely Dan. I was like, oh, I've heard of them, but what what's the Aja? He's like, oh, it's like their best album, whatever. And then I go on Facebook, and uh, one of my fraternity brothers uh, was talking about uh, Steely Dan as well. I was like, all right, more clues are coming in. And I have a buddy of mine, a professional opera singer, Keith Fairs, awesome guy, he loves Yacht Rock. He loves a lot of like Philly Soul Motown, you know, similar musical tastes. And uh, every day, like he puts up clips of, you know, like today's so-and-so's birthday. So he'll put their music on YouTube. And I h- heard him talking about Steely Dan as well on Facebook. So now I was like, you know what? Let me let me check these guys out. And I think it was my fraternity brother that mentioned either the Royal Scam, the album, or maybe one song in particular. And that's my I guess my gateway was the caves of Altamira oh yeah and I heard I was like man the horn section is just rock solid on this day and just and I just kept listening to it more and more and around that time I bought my I bought a CD copy of Aja and I just (laughs) let it sit there for a few months and then I went to California to do an opera program and then when I came back, I was like, you know, what, let me finally put this thing in my computer. And I, and I, you know, ripped the CD. I put it onto iTunes. And then I obviously started with Black Cow and worked my way down. I was like, all right, some cool things, whatever. And I think by the second time, it's just like, that's when the, just the change happened. And I'm like, holy cow, I got to do more. So then I think I got the rest of the Royal Scam. And then I just, I was like, I have to listen to more. I mean, it happened with Billy Joel. It happened with, with The Doors, other things. I just have to listen to the entire discography. And that's just when the floodgates open, just constantly listening to, you know, all the albums. And and then I think in the same year, I saw that they were performing in Red Bank. So I saw them at Red Bank. I got to see uh, at the Count Basie Theater. And it's just like, and then at the that show, at the souvenir booth or the merchandise booth, they had a hoodie of, and now I could finally say it right, of Asia. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to wear this hoodie. I have to, and it, was, it wasn't cheap, but I still have it to this day. And I've had some people just like, dude, like, 
awesome hoodie, like phenomenal <laughs> album, blah, 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 blah. And it just, it goes in, you, you know how it is. It's like, it goes in waves. So you listen to them and then you peter off. And then it happens again. And I've made a joke about it. It's like, oh, I'm on my yearly Steely Dan kick. And it happened a few months ago. And right around the time, too, that I found out about the new pressings, the uh, um, ultra high quality uh, pressings that uh, Analog Productions did. And listening to the guys, like, talking about, like, you know, finding the, the master tapes and, like, really. And, I mean, especially Asian Gaucho are just so well produced. Yeah, but like I'm like it's one hundred fifty dollars, but I really want to get it. My birthday's next month, and if somebody wants to get it, please do so. But it's yeah, it. I would say since then they've definitely been my second favorite band. I said my creep over to number one. I think because of the longevity. Like I got, I've been listening again to the Doors. It's been a while, but and just like the stories themselves about. You know, like the, the Fagan and, uh, and Becker's stories and just like the rotating cast of musicians. And then like I look at, you know, just the murderer's row of people that they had on their records. I mean, like McDonald and Purdy and, and Larry Carlton and all these other guys. And then I see like, holy cow, like they also worked with the Doobie Brothers and Stevie Wonder and, and, and all these other phenomenal musicians. And now I'm thinking Billy Joel, Phil Woods, who did the, the sax solo on Dr. Wu yeah. and... And it's just like, oh, just, and I don't know, it's, because I've heard some people say, like, with with Dan, it's like, either love him or hate him. Yeah. And I haven't found too many people that hate him, but, like, yeah, like, you and me and some other people, like, said my buddy uh, Keith and a few other people, uh, friends of mine, that once they found out I was a Dan fan, they were just like, oh, my God, like, man, we got to hang out. And I know uh, there's another friend of mine, uh, Zoe. That when she found I just like converted to the Church of Dan, that she was like, "You got to listen to Fagin's solo album." So she sent me, you know, the the Nightfly trilogy, and I mean, I actually never fully listened to Morph the Cat and Comicuria uh, until years later, mm-hmm. and they're both great. But yeah. I mean, the Nightfly is just oh, such a great album. Uh, such good stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, great stuff. And, and you you totally nailed it. I think the Dan is very polarizing. You know, you, you don't find people who are just casual listen casual listeners, and if they are, they're just into so many other things. And Steely Dan's just sort of there in the rotation. But you've either got like the the, the hardcore fanatics, or you've got the people that just can't stand them or don't get them. You know, and, and those are not mutually exclusive. So. Yeah, um, and the solo stuff. Um, how about Walter Becker's solo albums? Have you have you dug into those at all? I've listened to them a few times, but not as much as um, as Fagin stuff. I mean, I've listened to yeah, it was it uh, Twelve Tracks of Whack and Circus Money, and I've enjoyed them. But I guess when it comes to just how he constructs things musically, I guess my tastes lean more towards what uh, Fagin did. Yeah, because lyrically, like. All that, I mean, they were both, you know, just two sarcastic cranks from from, from the from Northeast. But I think, like, especially with the stuff I've seen, uh, listened to and read from Becker, it's like he leans more into that cynicism and that sarcasm and, and, and wit. I mean, the guy was absolutely witty. And I was fortunate to have seen Becker, I think, three times before he passed. And whenever he does this whole spiel, uh, just before he does the ending of uh, Hey 19. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a stuff. And then you look at like some of the tracks on The Nightfly or Kamakuriad in particular, just the um, 
more the, I guess, sentimental stuff. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, Knife Lights, album top to bottom, but I really love Maxine. I guess yes. it's a gorgeous, gorgeous. I'm a sucker for ballads in general. And yeah, part of me is like, I would have liked to have seen more of that stuff from them. But at the same time, that's not who they are. Right. But it was nice to see like kind of, you know, just how, how it is, you know, falling in love and just thinking, you know, this is going to be it. And then obviously going into New Frontier and just thinking of the optimism of when we were younger and, uh, some of the stuff too on um on sunken condos like the first few songs in that album just absolutely love i mean slinky thing in particular yes and uh yeah like the uh i remember <clears throat> this is about two three years ago that i finally like i said got into comic period and i was listening to on the dunes and that song does not feel like eight minutes long <laughs> it doesn't and it's like the perfect song i would tell people it's like you're driving down either route nine or you're going down yeah i would say route nine like you're going towards the shore Yep. And put on On the Dunes, it's like, mwah, as I do it's on my perfect. Looney Tune channel, Chef's Kiss. <laughs> perfect. It's like the perfect driving. <laughs> it is. Totally is. Um, and Maxine, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like the, the first part of Nightfly, um, you know, you've got that sort of optimism and you've got that young person's verve. But then Maxine's like, the, he, he grows up and moves to the city, right? That song to yeah. me always just felt like New York. Um and Comic Heriad took me a while to get into Comic Heriad. Um, you know, I was around when it came out, and I remember, um, you know, I was a big MTV head back in the day, and I just remember seeing the video for Tomorrow's Girls, right? And thinking, you know, just loving Steely Dan at that point already, and thinking, oh, wow, you know, Fagan's pretty cool. He's got this song on MTV, and you know, whatever. But besides the, the novelty of, of that coming out and, and it being like new, you know, Donald Fagan stuff, which didn't really have an impact on me at the time. Um, you know, and I had the CD and, and I just couldn't really get into it for whatever reason, you know, it just, it just didn't feel right. But then later on, it just, I think every album in its own way has just hit me at a certain point in time, you know, whether it's where I am in my life or where I am in my musical education, because that never stops. Right. Um, and they just sort of grab me in different ways and more of the cat, if, if you haven't sort of, you know, delved into that whole thing, um, I, I was really into that album for a, for a long time. Uh, the night belongs to Mona. It's one of my favorite Fagan songs ever. Just it's just beautiful. It's like haunting, but in, in a good way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of haunting, I think um, I mean Morph the Cat itself. I really like. That's probably of the of the four uh, uh, Fagan albums. That I mean, I've listened to it a decent amount of times, but it's just like that's not the one that really jumps at me as much. Not saying it's bad at all, but now you say like haunting. I love Bright Nightgown. Yeah, and also like lyrically, when I realized what it was about, and that's the other thing too. Like, I'll explain it to you know, like non-Dan fans. It's like, oh, this song is about blah blah blah, and and they're like, what? I'm like, I would tell, why well, I always tell people pay attention to the words. Like, I was uh, uh, not that long ago, you know, telling my mom um, about um, the royal scam, and then when I realized what the song is talking, well, I know their lyrics are always up to interpretation, but it's like you know, the city of Saint John, that's San Juan. Talking about the Puerto Ricans that came to, you know, this part of the country, like my family and my other relatives, anxious. Yeah, we we got the short end of the stick and yeah, <laughs> in many different ways. And like I'm explaining that to her. I was like, Mom, like this would resonate with you because this is your family. This is your experience to an extent. And then or and I'm always the kind of guy like when I listen to music, I care about the music first. The, I want to listen to the melody, I want to listen to the 
what's going on with the the arrangement, the instrumentals, whatever. It's it's never like, oh my god, like you know, I got to focus on the lyrics. That's more secondary for me. But I remember when I was started to listen to Everyone's Gone to the Movies, <laughs> and that was one of the songs that I'm just driving like yeah, Everyone's Gone, and then like like my face just gets horrified in the middle of driving. Like, oh my god, it's is it? It's, I hope it's not what I think it's about. <laughs> I mean, I that love that song, one. but yeah. it's like, oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that one and and cousin Dupree, it's just like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you just tell someone, it's like, it's a great song. Don't look up the lyrics, please, for the love of God, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't don't read too much into it. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> so you mentioned that your favorite band at the moment is the Doors, and um, I'm not really a big Doors fan. I have to say, I like them. I, I like some of the, you know, the hits, the songs that everybody knows, but what sort of drew you to the Doors and, you know, what's what's special about them for you? Um, Well, like I said before, my dad, I got, a, you know, my, my classic rock taste from him and classic Motown R&B. So when I was really little, my dad had their first album, which a lot of people say is their best one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got, you know, Break On Through, The End, Light My Fire, um, other songs like that, Soul, A Crystal Ship, love the piano solo on that one. But he had that album, and he would play it a lot. You know, I remember, I'm like, what, six, seven years old, and my dad's listening to the end. Father, yes, son, I want to kill you. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, you all right, dude? I mean, it drives me nuts. But And also, the I, only, I went to Puerto Rico once. Uh, it was actually 30 years ago, and, and uh, you know, visit my mom's family and whatnot. And we brought the the Doors first uh, CD with us because my brother and I, my older brother, we just loved the listening to Break On Through. We just kept repeating it over and over again on the CD. And uh, and my brother, he and I don't always see eye to eye on things, but we our musical tastes are very different. He 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 sometimes gets a little frustrated because of how like passionate I am about music. But you know that was something like we kind of like enjoyed. And he you know he likes some of the Doors stuff as well. And actually crediting him to an extent. So yeah, in middle school, once again, you know, we were on a computer and my brother downloaded Peace Frog from uh, their fifth album, Morrison Hotel. And I just started listening to it again with the guitar in the beginning with Robbie Krieger. And that was like my gateway into the door. It's like I already knew their I knew their first album from top to bottom, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. But then, yeah, I heard Peace Frog, and I was like, my God. And, you know, and I hear that song, and I get transported back to seventh grade. And then I was like, from there, you know, I started asking my dad, like, you know, Dad, can can I get the other Doors albums? And he was like, yeah, you know, I love listening to them back in the day. And, you know, I'd be with my dad in the car and playing L.A. Woman and Morrison Hotel and, and the Soft Parade. And he's telling me, yeah, I used to listen to this one back in, you know, 71 and blah, 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 blah. And like kind of a cool way of uh, bonding with my dad. And then, yeah. of course, he likes, uh, you know, we have similar musical tastes. And I used to have, a, you know, the, the the little package with all your CDs in your car. Right. And he comes up to me one day. He's like, I got some bad news. I'm like, what's up, dad? Your CDs are broken. I was like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, I took your CD thing and I put it on top of the car for a minute. And then I forgot. <laughs> and I drove away. And I'm like, man, if I did that, you would have screamed at me until the cows come home <laughs> so i mean now obviously everything's uh digital but i think and 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 i know i could see some of the criticisms that people have of the doors i had a, a high school band uh instructor that was like i 
bleeping hate the doors and like he, he i guess it was because of the lyrics and yeah some of the lyrics they're, they're, they're not that great i'll admit it and kind of like the pretentiousness of morrison um or i shouldn't say yeah kind of that but just also like how he's become like such a huge figure yeah but it's like for me it's like you can't discount you know the work that the other guys did you know raymond zarek and who i got to see and john densmore i met him at the in Bergen County a few years ago, and Robbie Krieger, who I also got to see. And, like, musically, they were just doing such cool things at the time, yeah. and really pushing psychedelic rock. And, and yeah, again, yesterday on my Instagram, I posted about Ray Manzarek. Uh, he was his birthday uh, yesterday as well. And just some of his the stuff he did on the organ and playing the bass part as well when they were playing live, like, just musically, it always appeals to me. And I guess they still remain my favorite one because they were like the first band that I really got hardcore into. And I still love their music, but I can see some of their critics, uh, what people criticize. And same thing, like I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I, you know, I, I got obsessed with him in, in high school. He's my favorite musician. But, you know, some of the criticisms, especially some of his lyrical choices, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see your point. But the guy was a master at, at melody. Oh, yeah. He can't. Sure. It's like, you know, he idolizes, you know, uh, Lennon and McCartney. He's like, well, clearly you have the gift of melody that they got. So you learn from the best. And then Beethoven as well. So he did something right. He did a lot right. I'm a big Billy Joel fan. Um, even to this day, I was really excited with the new song that came out. Although, honestly, it wasn't crazy about it. It was pretty, it's pretty good. Um, but I'm the same know. way with it. Yeah. I just felt like um, because it was such a buildup and it was so long. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a great song, but I think it was just not, it didn't live up to the the the, the hype that I built in my own head for it, right? Um, but my brother, again, um, he wore out Billy Joel albums when I was a kid, and I used to hang out in his bedroom, and, you know, he had the stereo system with the big speakers, and he would play 52nd Street and The Stranger, and then Glass Houses came out when I was eight years old, and that was one of the first records, I think it was like one of the first three or four records that I bought with my own allowance money. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I just played that thing to death. And I still, to this day, I think it's my favorite album. I mean, I, I just know every single piece of every single instrument and, and vocal on, on that whole album. Um, and, you know, I stuck with him through the 80s and the 90s. Wasn't really a huge fan of the last couple albums. You know, a couple of good songs on there, but I felt like I respect the fact that he went out on top, right? Like, and was it 93? I think he just said, you know yeah. what? I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I've, I've said what I want to say. I'm done. Um, I want to focus on playing piano and arranging and composing, you know, more classical stuff. And I just don't have another pop record in me. And, you know, I'm not going to do it just for the money, <laughs> right? So you got to give props to the guy for for knowing when to, to get out of the game. Um, but that catalog, I mean, Turnstiles, another one of my favorites. Um, just, you know, I, I, I know those albums backwards and forwards in no small part because of my brother. But even, you know, as I got into adulthood, I just kept listening to them because they're that good. That's something that's always bummed me out about, like, my, my taste in music because I am removed from the, you know, like from the, just like the, the, the impact that it has on pop culture because you know we were talking about comic period and and river of dreams the last album he did i mean i remember hearing the song the river of dream which which i love that song constantly but yeah those albums you know comic period and river of dreams came out in 93 i was right. only five years old at the time so i don't 
remember any, you know, and obviously all the great albums from the 70s and 80s, I wasn't around. I mean, for Joel, I was only alive for Stormfront from 89 and River of Dreams. And yeah, I agree, you know, from the bridge on, kind of more hit and miss. I mean, there's, you know, some standout tracks in all of them. And River of Dreams, like I said, the title track I love a lot. Lullaby, All About Soul, The Great Wall of China. But it's you hit the point that I was really thinking about. It's just like one of the reasons why I just also respect him so much is that he has that integrity. So like, look, I'm kind of running on fumes at this point, you know, and literally his last song on uh, river of dream is the famous last words. And it's just like, look, I could just keep churning out stuff. And it's just, you know, the, the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. And he, and again, he built such, such goodwill throughout the, you know, the seventies and eighties. I mean, it's funny when you were you started mentioning his albums. I was like, "Yes, he nailed my top two because I know everybody goes with the Strangers number one." I mean, that was I'll, well, I'll get to that in a second. But the Stranger, but my personal favorite is Fifty Second Street. Huh, okay, love the album from top to bottom uh, until the night is my favorite Billy Joel yeah. song. I've never heard him play it live. If I he ever does, I mean, I'm going to try to see him one more time at the Garden. Excuse me, I've seen him four times and. You know, I'll cry like a baby if he does it, but, you know, like I said, the Caves of Altamira was my Steely Dan gateway. Peace Frog was my Doors gateway. The title track of The Stranger was my gateway because I knew his stuff. I mean, again, listening to Light FM, I heard Just the Way You Are. I heard Only the Good Die Young. I heard River of Dreams. I heard uh, New York State of Mind. All Like, I was familiar with them, and I liked those songs. They were part of my uh, my Manny's mix uh, back <laughs> in middle school and high school, but CD, yep. I had um, a good friend of mine. His name is Tommy Stathis. He's connected to my cartoon side. He's a uh, he's a year younger than me. He's he's from Queens, but he's again he's a he's another old soul when it comes to our musical taste. We you know similar things that we enjoy, and he's an expert on silent animation. Like he literally has thousands of film reels, and he teaches about anime. He's he's a well respected uh. Uh, silent animation historian and uh we were on a message board for uh you know cartoons for you know older cartoons and we were messaging messaging each other one day on aim remember those days yes i did and uh he was like do you like billy joel i was like yeah i like some of his stuff you know the the popular ones he's like you ever heard this song so he messaged me a file of the stranger and i heard it i'm like oh this this whistling this piano it's so good and then it gets to the rock part and then it's like, oh my God, I need more. I need more. And then I got, and then when I looked at the track list of The Stranger, I was like, oh, I know most of these songs. And just, it goes from there. And I said, all these years later, you know, it's just still, still into the stuff. It's just that, that music still has a charm to it. And I'm glad that he, you know, finally released that new song. Not 30 years, because some people are like, he hasn't done a new song. I was like, no, he did you know, all my life that he wrote for his ex-wife. It was, it was all right. So another sappy ballad. And he did Christmas in Fallujah that someone else all recorded. Right. But I mean, you know, some people are saying, you know, maybe he has another album in him. And I was reading about the, the co-writer of the new song, turn the lights back on uh Freddie Wexler. Yeah. He's what? Two years older than I am. And, yeah. I saw that whole thing. And That's he's crazy. like, he was able to pull, you know, like, I get the, you know, the, the guy who retires, like, come on, champ, you got one more fight in you. And, and it's like, it's crazy how, you know, saw a young person who we, again, we were removed in time from the impact of Joel was able to convince him to do it. 
And it's like, I have those days where it's like, well, you know, I'll tell my dad or I'll tell other people that, you know, we're alive for these acts. Like, I wish I was there to experience it in person. But then another side of me is like, I'm kind of glad to see it from a historical perspective because, mm. you know, it removes the bad gigs or maybe, you know, the critical response or just, you know, the perception of it. I mean, like another person I absolutely adore is Stevie Wonder. And, you know, I listen to this stuff from the 70s from like, you know, Music of My Mind and Inner Visions and Songs in the Key of Life. And it's just like, just the accolades he was getting back then. I'm like, man, I wish I was there to just see like Stevie in his prime you know or these other guys that i'm into but you know great music transcends time it's like it really another catchphrase of mine it's like you know great uh, great music doesn't have an expiration date don't let anybody tell you otherwise (laughs) that is correct well that's a great place to end because we're getting just close to a little bit under an hour here and i like to keep these right, right around that time frame but um anything else you want to cover before we go um Thing I covered all I, in my head. I'm just like I was like, dude, shut up, shut up, like Chad. No, oh, shut but, no but, not at all. No, you've been great, Manny. This is this has been fantastic. Well, something I will say is that is that Miles Davis behind you? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, I guess uh, I guess a nice way to wrap this up. But uh, the song Birdland Weather Report. I um, love the song. I first played it in middle school jazz band, and uh, it wasn't until recent that. I found the 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 vocal version of it. You know, I found lyrics to it, and I'm like singing along to it, whatever. And I actually I did it at work for the concert, and you know, like teaching about Art Blakey and Miles Davis and whatever. It's like perfect. And then I didn't realize that the lyrics were from the Manhattan Transfer version of it from 1979. Right. And I feel like an idiot. I was like, oh my god, I should have found this months ago. And I'm like, you should have gone on Spotify and YouTube. You have no excuse. And and I also collect, I don't have one in front of me, but uh, I used to have 300 of them, but the little Funko Pops with the big oh, yeah. heads and the uh-huh. big black eyes. Like, I have ones of, uh, you know, especially for Black History Month, I have one of Li- uh, Lionel Richie and Aretha Franklin. I ordered Michael Jackson from uh, him wearing the beaded outfit. And I'm like, I got to get that Miles Davis one, yes. too. It's just him holding the trumpet. And uh, and uh, now I got to go listen to Kind of Blue as well, <laughs> now that I mentioned it. <laughs> Miles was my gateway to jazz and specifically that era of jazz. Um, and the poster has kind of a, a funny story too. So I used to work at a school district. I work in IT, so I've, I've been doing technology for years, but I worked at a school district in the late 90s. And this is when Apple had their Think Different ad campaign where they had like all different, you know, uh, pioneers and visionaries and things in, in their ad campaign. And they, they had this whole great sort of you know, photography campaign around it. So um, Miles was one of the people that was featured. And the school where I worked, um, Apple had given us a grant. We got a bunch of computers and stuff like that. And with it, they sent a bunch of promotional materials. So we got all these great posters to hang around the school, you know, think different, you know, this and that. Um, so when I saw that we had a bunch of the Miles ones, I kind of quietly just took one and like tucked it in my jacket. And I was like, that's, uh, that's going home with me. Um, and it just sat in, you know, I put it in a tube for safekeeping and I held on to it. And I always meant to get it framed and it kind of got lost in the shuffle and then I moved. And then long story short is that um, the first Christmas that my wife and I were together, um, we were going through some stuff, you know, in storage or whatever. And it came out and I showed it to her. And lo and behold, on Christmas morning, it was wrapped up and she'd gotten it framed. Uh, so yeah, it was really cool. So I've had it on the wall pretty much ever since then. 
Uh, the parting question for you, you mentioned that you played in, in jazz band in middle school. What was your instrument? I was a sax player. I played uh, alto for my first few years tenor, and then I switched to Barry sax. And uh, sadly, I, I gave it up at the beginning of uh, when I started at Montclair. I only played it for a semester because I had to focus on choir and opera. But, you know, one <laughs> sure. of these days I'll pick it up again and, uh, I don't know, try to try to play along with uh, one of the songs. I'm, I mean, probably terribly. <laughs> I'll try to play a lot with it. I just, I would just rather, you know, do the. I think I'll be, have a better chance of doing the vocals. You know, trying to get my my best Donald Fagan going on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, fellow alto sax player here. I, I played in in uh, marching band, jazz band, and stage band in, in junior high. Uh, long story. I, I talked about it on my my last episode. If you wanted to check it out later, but um, didn't get didn't follow me through high school. I had too much else going on, but. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of funny and, and nice to have another fellow sax player on the podcast. So, yeah. Manny, you've been you've been great. It's been fantastic talking to you. Um, anything you want to plug? I mean, I'm definitely going to link to your other podcast that you're on, um, and I'll li- put a link to your Instagram as well. But anything else you want me to share with my 15 listeners? <laughs> All right. Ho- hopefully, you'll get 16 by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. My, like I said before. Uh, Emmanuel Cruz, uh, Manny Cruz, the Tooney Tenor. Uh, follow me on socials at the Tooney Tenor. Uh, you know, just for now, trying to find as any gigs possible. I mean, um, at the mo- I used to sing in a Latin band. Hopefully, I'll get that up and running again. I do a lot of uh, uh, singing at churches for the time being. You know, for masses and different things. So, if you're in the Northern Jersey area, you might see me there. Um, and definitely check out the work I've been doing with my buddy Anthony. His channel on YouTube is Anthony's Animation Talk. And, uh, you know, enjoy just me geeking out about that. And uh, hopefully one of these days, uh, I mean, there is a, a little cover of me singing the second arrangement on my uh, Instagram page. So definitely check that out. And uh, that's in my top 10 of Steely Dan songs, by the way. Mine too. Second arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to go find that. Uh, and if you get the band together, let me know because, you know, I'm, I'm within uh, hitting distance of, of where you're at. So if you're going to play, I'll come see you. Yeah, like I said, we'll, you know, check out the show. We'll have a good time. We'll get some Wawa's before or after, you know. <laughs> and some Taylor Hammer. And, and, and I'll make you. i say, you better order Taylor Hammer else. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Manny. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chad. All righty. Bye. Bye. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oral Mess video version along with a playlist for each episode is available on youtube and you can visit our website at oralmass.com until next time this is chad signing off